Good day. It's March 24th, and this is day 83 in our one-year Bible tour, with only 282 days remaining. Thank you for joining with us for daily progressive Bible readings in both the Old and New Testaments, with daily pit stops to drink in the heart cries from the book of Psalms and wisdom from the book of Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, pastor of New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and the producing director of New Life Fine Arts. You can find out more about our passion and ministries designed to encourage believers in the work of evangelism and discipleship at our website, newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. We are in the last of the five books of Moses today, the book of Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. But we start with Moses giving a summary of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. So we'll pick up the story today in Deuteronomy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The Wilderness Years Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me. And for many days we traveled around Mount Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You have been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward and command the people, You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land, no, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on. But I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall purchase food from them with money, that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money, that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going out through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So we went on, away from our brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, away from the Arabah road from Elath to Ezion-Geber. And we turned and went in the direction of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab or contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land for a possession, because I have given Ar to the people of Lot for a possession. The Emim formerly lived there, a people great and many, and tall as the Anakim. Like the Anakim, they are also counted as Rephaim, but the Moabites called them Emim. The Horites also lived in Seir formerly, But the people of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in their place, as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave to them. Now rise up and go over the brook Zered. And we went over the brook Zered. And the time from our leaving Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the brook Zered was thirty-eight years, until the entire generation, that is the men of war, had perished from the camp, as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them, to destroy them from the camp until they had perished. So as soon as all the men of war had perished and were dead among the people, the Lord said to me, Today you are to cross the border of Moab at Ar, and when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them. For I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for a possession. It is also counted as a land of Rephaim. Rephaim formerly lived there, but the Ammonites call them 
Zamzumim, a people great and many, and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before the Ammonites, and dispossessed them and settled in their place, as he did for the people of Esau who live in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place even to this day. As for the Avim, who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and settled in their place. Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. The Defeat of King Sihon So I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedamoth to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will go only by the road. I will turn aside neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, as the sons of Esau who live in Seir and the Moabites who live in Ar did for me, until I go over the Jordan into the land that the Lord our God is giving to us. But Sihon the king of Heshbon would not let us pass by him, for the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might give him into your hand as he is this day. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to take possession, that you may occupy his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Jahaz. And the Lord our God gave him over to us, and we defeated him and his sons and all his people. And we captured all his cities at that time, and devoted to destruction every city, men, women, and children. We left no survivors. Only the livestock we took as spoil for ourselves, with the plunder of the cities that we captured. From Aroer, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and from the city that is in the valley, as far as Gilead, there was not a city too high for us. The Lord our God gave all into our hands. Only to the land of the sons of Ammon you did not draw near, that is, to all the banks of the river Jabbok, and the cities of the hill country, whatever the Lord our God had forbidden us. Chapter 3. The Defeat of King Og Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og the king of Bashan came against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrai. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So the Lord our God gave into our hand Og also, the king of Bashan, and all his people, and we struck him down until he had no survivor left. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city that we did not take from them, sixty cities, the whole region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these were cities fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides very many unwalled villages and we devoted them to destruction, as we did to Sihon the king of Heshbon, devoting to destruction every city, men, women, and children. But all the livestock and the spoil of the cities we took as our plunder. 
So he took the land at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, from the valley of the Arnon to Mount Hermon. The Sidonians called Hermon Sirion, where the Amorites call it Senir. All the cities of the Tableland and all Gilead and all Bashan, as far as Salakah and Edrai, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. For only Og, the king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Behold, his bed was a bed of iron. Is it not in Rabbah of the Ammonites? Nine cubits was its length, and four cubits its breadth, according to the common cubit. When we took possession of this land at that time, I gave to the Reubenites and the Gadites the territory beginning at Aroer, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and half the hill country of Gilead with its cities. The rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og, that is, all the region of the Argob, I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh. All that portion of Bashan is called the land of Raphaim. Jair, the Manassite, took all the region of Argob, that is, Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Maakathites, and called the villages after his own name, Havath Jair, as it is to this day. To Machir I gave Gilead, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites I gave the territory from Gilead as far as the valley of the Arnon, with the middle of the valley as a border, as far over as the river Jabbok, the border of the Ammonites. The Arabah also, with the Jordan as the border, from Kinnereth as far as the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, under the slopes of Pisgah on the east. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your men of valor shall cross over armed before your brothers, the people of Israel. Only your wives, your little ones, and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in the cities that I have given you, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers, as to you, and they also occupy the land that the Lord your God gives them beyond the Jordan." Then each of you may return to his possession which I have given you. And I commanded Joshua at that time, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms into which you are crossing. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yourself? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country, and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes, for you shall not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua, and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. This is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. So let's take a moment to recap and reflect upon what we are seeing from this vantage point. For 38 years, God's people went around in circles. This was not to do them getting lost or losing their sense of direction. They knew where they were. They were under divine discipline. 
They were learning the importance of submission to the revealed will of God. They could not have gone into the promised land if they tried. God had made an oath that not one of those who were over the age of twenty when the ten spies first discouraged the faith of the multitude with a negative report of the promised land would be able to enter into it. Joshua and Caleb, who wholly followed the Lord, were to be the only exceptions. Now at last they headed north and were camping on the threshold of the promised land near the Jordan. The book of Deuteronomy opens with Moses speaking to the new generation. These are the ones whose parents died in the wilderness. Moses encourages the troops with a God-centered view of their history. God was faithful to their fathers, even when their fathers had been unfaithful to Him. And God was faithful to guide and provide for them, even during the thirty-eight years of their murmuring and complaining. Moses sets the record straight. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving-kindness. The Lord has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast desert. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. Unfortunately, they had not been grateful for His guidance and provision. We read beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 32. But for all this you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp, in fire by night and cloud by day, to show you the way in which you should go. Moses tells when they were finally given permission to cross the brook Zered, a brook they could have crossed thirty-eight years earlier if they had believed the report of Joshua and Caleb. You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. Deuteronomy 2, 2-3 This had been a long time coming. Keep in mind that Moses had spent 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the backside of the desert, and was just about to complete another 40 years leading his people in the desert. I would say it's time for some green grass. Moses reminds the new generation of some important facts about the most recent leg of their journey. Number one, don't forget, God is in control. Moses' speech affirms that in their march north, the Lord had shown himself to be sovereign over the nations. He knew what was going on in the hearts of each leader from each tribe. For example, the Lord assigned land to the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, and the descendants of Lot, the Moabites and Ammonites, in Genesis 19, verses 37 to 38. He also knew what it was that would provoke them to anger. He instructs Israel how to conduct themselves as they travel among them to preserve peace. He warns the Israelite not to fight. In doing so, they would be fighting against his will for he had given the land to these people as a possession and would not concede a single footstep. The Lord knew the hearts of King Sihon of the Amorites and King Og of Bashan. As a result of their obstinacy, the Lord hardened their spirits and gave their land for the Israelites to conquer. God used the victories over the Amorites and the people of Bashan to give Joshua and the Israelite army practical training in warfare that would be needed in their future battles against the Canaanites once they crossed the Jordan River. Joshua was being groomed for leadership. He was learning what his role would be in receiving victories from the Lord. The victories of the Israelites over King Sihon of the Amorites and King Og of Bashan were to be held up as examples of what was to come if they would put their trust in God. Moses gives a stirring speech in which he turns to personally address Joshua. You have seen with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you are going. Do not be afraid of them, 
the Lord your God himself will fight for you. Deuteronomy 3, verses 21 to 22. They were to walk by faith and not by sight. They were not to be afraid of the giants in the land. King Og of Bashan, whom they had just defeated, was no ordinary-sized human being. His bed was thirteen feet long and six feet wide. With the thrill of an accomplished victory fresh in his mind and the prospect of conquering Canaan so close at hand, Moses begged once more that the Lord would allow him to enter the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 25, Moses confesses to the assembled crowd that the Lord did answer his prayer, but not in the way that he had hoped. The Lord said to Moses, Enough! Speak to me no more of this matter. Deuteronomy 3.26 Like the Apostle Paul, who repeatedly sought the Lord to take away the thorn in his flesh, Moses had repeated his request in the hope that he could change God's mind on his disciplinary verdict. God's verdict upon the children of Israel was sealed with his oath. Yet that was not the case with Moses' discipline. However, Moses received his final answer. Sometimes we will hear the Lord say, My grace is sufficient. Enough. Speak to me no more on this matter. However, God's consolation prize was to give Moses the opportunity to get a magnificent view of the promised land from the top of Mount Nebo on the Pisgah Cliff. His next view would be on the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land with Jesus. This is a fitting picture of the law, that is, Moses pointing out and envisioning the righteousness of God, the promised land. But the law is only able to give us the knowledge of righteousness. It is not able to bring anyone into the experience of it. Another man, Joshua, that is a type of Yeshua, Jesus, will be able to do that. We read in the book of Romans, chapter 8, for what the law, represented by Moses, was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son, Yeshua, the greater Joshua, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Romans 8, verses 3 to 4. Now let's proceed to today's reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 12 through 38. We start with a section of Jesus choosing the twelve apostles. Verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, 
For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. This is the end of our reading from the New Testament Gospel of Luke. If you have any doubt of the important role that prayer has in the life of a man or a woman, look to the example of Jesus. Jesus is a man, as he has God created man to be, functioning perfectly in communion with God, uninhabited by sin, inhabited fully by God the Holy Spirit, with every human faculty operating according to divine design. He is man in God's idea of normalcy. God created man to walk in fellowship with him in the Garden of Eden. Sin brought a barrier of separation. The perfect correspondence between God and mankind was broken. It is not until we get to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, after the death of Abel, and learn of his appointed substitute, Seth, that we read, Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord, Yahweh. When his disciples observed Jesus praying, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Luke 11, verse 1. His prayer life demonstrated the quality of communion that God originally intended for man. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, we read, It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Prayer is intended to be more than an informal chat with God, the exchange of information, or the discharging of our petitions. As Jesus taught, it begins with the recognition of his name, his nature, his attributes, and a submission of our will to be in conformity to his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We recently observed that one of the characteristics of Joshua's leadership was that he would go in and come out before the people. Numbers chapter 27 verse 17. This referred to his going into the tent of meeting to inquire of God and his coming out to communicate and implement the will of God. The going in represents our vertical relationship of communion with God, 
Our going out represents the outworking of our obedience to the will of God in service to others, our horizontal relationships and responsibilities. Jesus had an important decision to make. Even as God chose the patriarchs, so God was choosing a new group of twelve, one of whom would betray him. He surrendered his will to do God's will, knowing that it would ultimately pain him. The scriptures tell us that Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. John chapter 6, verse 64. He also knew that he had a rough road ahead, and so would those he chose as his ministry team. He knew that the future of the church would be dependent upon their instrumentality. He relied upon the Father's resources for the enterprise of making disciples who would become sent ones, apostles to the world. We can imagine that during this whole night of prayer that Jesus, who had real human emotions, suffered in those emotions as he submitted to the will of the Father. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 7 through 8. Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus' choice of the twelve, upon which so much would depend, reminds us of Paul's words to the Corinthians. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-29 to After coming down from the mountain and calling the twelve as his disciples, Jesus began to minister to the multitudes in the presence of his newly appointed apprentices. Then Jesus gave instruction to those who identified with him as to their attitude and behavior towards the world that would be in opposition to him. The Sermon on the Mount The Sermon on the Mount is not a code of Christian principles or ethics. It is a description of the life of Christ, which is normative of life in the kingdom of God. It is a picture of how God intends us to function in this world as those who are in Christ. Blessed are those who are identified with Christ. The kingdom of God is radically different from the kingdom of this world. In this world, people value being rich in self-importance instead of being poor in spirit. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. They have no or little appetite for being right with God, functioning rightly or appreciating the things of God. They value enjoying their sins and laughing at sin rather than mourning sin and its work of destruction. Luke six twenty one. They seek popularity and wide acclaim rather than being hated for godly convictions, being adored rather than isolated and disenfranchised for their identification with Christ. Those whose allegiance is to the kingdom of this world want to make a name for themselves, seeking recognition and honor, while those identified with Christ will have their name scorned as evil. What is to be our response to the way that we are treated in this world? Self-pity? Complaint? No. Number one, joy. Rejoice and be glad. Luke 6.23 
Jesus gives warning to those who settle for riches now only to be impoverished for eternity, well-fed now only to be hungry later, taking sin lightly now only to be mourning eternally. Secondly, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Then Jesus gives examples of doing good. Every example would be considered absolutely unreasonable in this world. Offer the other cheek to those who hit you. Give your shirt as well as your coat for those who would rob your coat. Do not ask that stolen items be returned. Treat them the same way you want them to treat you. This is quite different from the conventional understanding of the golden rule. We don't expect others to treat us the way that Jesus is calling us to treat others. This is the life of Christ. It's an altogether different kind of life. It's a different kind of love. It is not the love that looks for reciprocity. Luke 6.32 Our idea of good works falls short of God's works. Luke 6.33-36 The good works that reflect God are those that show kindness and mercy to those who are ungrateful and evil. Luke 6, verses 35 through 36. Thirdly, don't condemn, forgive. Don't adopt a judgmental, critical spirit. We are not to judge or condemn without first recognizing God's judgment and condemnation upon Jesus Christ, who identified with our sin on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We should not have a judgmental attitude or critical spirit, but instead keep the cross of Christ as our constant reference point, remembering the mercy we have received. Jesus' command to judge not does not mean that we do not discern, speak out against, or deal with sin in our lives or those of others. John quotes Jesus in his gospel, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. John 7.24 Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus was a friend of sinners while never approving of sin. Fourthly, be generous. We are made in the image of God, and God is a giver. In giving freely to others, we demonstrate our confidence in God as our abundant resource. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return. Luke 6.38 and now a reading from the book of Psalms. Reading our psalm today will be Kevin Lasuski. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all of the ends of the earth fear him. Thank you, Kevin. This psalm wonderfully expresses God's purposes for the church, to both declare and demonstrate the good news. The benefits of being reconciled to God through faith in Christ should be obvious. His way, verse 2, his rule, his guidance, in verse 4, his blessing, should speak of his salvation. The church exists for the benefit of its non-members, that Christ would be made known through the members of his body, the church, that all people would praise him. In verse 3 and verse 5, we read in Psalm 67, verse 2, 
that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. And now for our proverb a day that keeps foolishness away, Proverbs 11, verse 27, from the English Standard Version. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Let me repeat it in the NASB translation. He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks evil, evil will come to him. So to seek good is to seek God. There is goodness in no other. So to diligently seek good is to seek God's favor. To turn to other sources will net disappointment. Let's pray. O God of grace, we see how you have proved yourself to be faithful to your people, even when they have proven themselves to be unfaithful to you. You have been faithful to teach, correct, discipline, show mercy, and forgive. We ask that we would be mindful of the judgment that your Son bore to pay the penalty of our sin, that we would not have a judgmental spirit toward others, but forgive as we have been forgiven. Strengthen us with faith in the gospel and enable us to be bold witnesses. May your way and your salvation be made known to the nations. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Before you go, I want to thank you for being with us today, and I encourage you to write to us if you are having any challenges in developing this habit of daily Bible reading. We have been encouraged to learn that our listening audience is from all over the world, and if you belong to Jesus, you belong to us, we belong to each other, and we are all pilgrims on this journey to the celestial city. And when we see him, we shall be like him. Let's share our enthusiasm about reading the scriptures and get other people to join us. If you would like to know more about our ministry, you can go to our website, newlife.org. N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. Thank you and God bless you.